This past week, I was at the grocery store. Um, and I was at the grocery store because my mom had just heard from my kids a lot of complaints about me not having snacks for them. I don't know if any parents in here know what I'm talking about. Your kids can see a full fridge, but to them, there are no snacks, so there is no food. And the minute you bring them home snacks, if you as a parent don't do the dad tax and take some of that snacks and put it to the side for you to have later, you will not get to enjoy those treats. I'm just telling you, I've learned this. I bought my kids uh, a couple packs of ice cream a week ago. I came back that same day in the afternoon, John, and it was gone. I didn't understand. what I keep forgetting I have five kids. It don't take long for them to eat a pack of 20 ice creams. It was, it was interesting. My, my mom's like, hey, um, I'm going to give you this, this gift card so that you can go to the store. And she handed it to me, and then she grabbed it, and then she said, wait a minute, I'll be right back. And she went to the, the other room. I don't know what she did with it. Um, but she came back, and she said, hey, it has, I think it was $111.44. And she said, yeah, a parent said, that's nothing. You know how fast $100 goes when you're trying to feed kids that are at home and not in school? It just goes. She said, it's $111.44. And I, I, I had this, this notion that I'm going to remember how much money is in this card. I just, I made this, this decision at that moment not to write it down, and she kept repeating to me, it's $111.44. You need to write it down. It's $111.44. And I said, all right, so I got it. Grabbed the card. So I'm going to go to the store. Thanked her for the, for the gift card. And when I got to the store, I started to pick stuff out. And have you ever done this where you go to the grocery store and you start to count in your head? That's $3.99. We'll put this here. This is $4.99. I'm going to take this. This, this bottle of water is six, you know, it's Essentia. It's got to be Essentia. So it's $6.99 for this, this bottle of water. And then you start thinking, what's the tax? And you start pretending that you understand math and you start counting in your brain. I, I, that's what I was doing. I was in the aisles and I was debating, do I want this or do I want that? Because I'm only going to use what's on this card. And it, I, I think I overspent. I knew in that moment my my. My little, little buggy is a little too full for $111. I get to the front where it's time to, to go to the cash register, and I start putting things on the, the little conveyor belt at levels of importance. See, I know I'm talking to some broke folks in here. You know what I'm talking about. You know, this is really important. It's going to go first. This is, this is second, it's going to go second. And I started to leave the things that were like luxuries, like on the side, just in case. I'm going to put this on the side in case I don't have enough money. And the cash lady was just ringing it, and she was ringing it really confidently. And I think I felt in my heart like she must know how much money I have in this card. And so I'm pretty confident that I could just put all of it on the conveyor belt. And so instead of waiting and looking and counting, I said, okay, I'm just going to put it all on there. And I did. And when I got there, I forgot how much was on the card. And so I hand her the card, and she, she, she slides it. She, she gives me that look, that look that you just don't want to get. She goes, it's not working. 
I said, well, give me that card. I could do it. And uh, I, I slid it. And those dreaded words, those two words that will just change your whole appearance in a second popped up. Insufficient funds. And I said, well, that's something must be wrong here. My mom obviously gave me a card with enough money for all of these streets. I, I know that. And so I kept swiping it. And over and over again, it gives me that eh, eh, noise. And I'm realizing there is now a line forming behind me. And there is a manager that is looking over her shoulder, wanting to know what's taking so long. And I'm nervous because she doesn't look too happy at me being in her line and, and having inconvenienced her by not knowing how much money was on the card. And I kept sliding it in over and over again. I kept saying insufficient funds and insufficient funds. And I thought it was I had the right amount of money in this card and that something was actually wrong. So I was like, hey, maybe don't you need to press like 000 or something? Or maybe I need to press credit. Or is there something here? And, and me, I did that thing where you look in the back of the card like you're going to find the answers in the back of the card. And I looked in the back of the card to see if it said how much money was on there. And I realized I'm the dummy who didn't put the number on the back of here. And so at this point, she's like reaching over for her microphone. I need a manager on aisle three. We're having issues with this gentleman's card. And I was embarrassed and I wanted to run away, but I knew I need this food, and I need to get out of here with this food. And so, and so I sat there, and then I rem all of a sudden it hit me. It's $111.44. And she did tell me to write it down. But listen, we don't listen to our moms. I'm 40 years old. I still don't listen to my mom. This is the way it goes. It's like it's $111. I looked, and it was $137 on the screen, I said, oh, you know, 20 to $25, something like that. I need to take out the cart. And so I started to take it out. And um, I was embarrassed, and it was kind of weird at that moment. But God spoke to me, not about having insufficient funds, but about having insufficient faith. And maybe you know what it's like to face different things in your life that are difficult, that are overwhelming, that can cause you to have fear and anxiety, so much so that you feel like you don't have enough faith to get through it. I know I've been through that in my life a lot. I know I've experienced times where I feel like I don't have enough in me to get through what's in front of me. And maybe you've experienced times in your life where you have felt like you don't have enough in you to get through the hard thing that you're going through. And maybe you know what it's like to have insufficient faith in God to get you through it. In this scripture that we're reading today, in our series, Promised Land, we're going through the scriptures, finding out the promises of God and how God wants us to pursue those promises. We've talked about Abram. We've talked about Lot. We're going to talk about Joseph. We're going to talk about Isaac. We're going to talk about Moses, we're going we're gonna to have a great time going through the scripture. And as I was searching this week, just scriptures for me to learn from about the promised land, I was, I was directed to, to this passage in the book of First Chronicles where David is writing. And David is talking about the promises of God and how they endure and how good they are. And in First Chronicles, David makes a point to remind us about a God who helps us even when we have insufficient faith. 
And so if you're here today and if you feel like, like you don't have enough in you to move forward or you feel like giving up or you feel like you're, you're not physically enough to handle the weight of the issues that you're carrying, I think this scripture has a lot to say to us today. We're not going to go through all of the scripture, but I just want to overview something for you because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's 20-something verses, and, but there's something in here that's really specific. It says in verse 7, then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. This is a, a, a verse that when you read it, you probably don't pay much attention to, but in this chapter of first chronicles david and all of the people of israel are celebrating because they had just rescued the ark of the covenant from the philistines and they they are now in possession of god's very presence they believed that god's presence was in the ark of the covenant and this has now been years in the hands of the enemy and david and israel have finally got god's presence back in their hands, and they're taking it back into Israel. And here's the funny thing. As they are pursuing God's presence, and as they are going to retrieve it, as they come back with it, David has to remind the people to give God thanks. David has to remind them and actually assign to people to lead worship. You'll read in the verses before that where David is telling them exactly what they are going to do, how they're going to sing, and then he actually writes a song for them in the coming verses. He doesn't just say, you're going to sing. He says, I'm going to tell you what to sing because you obviously aren't grateful that you have now retrieved the presence of God. And here's just what I'm going to tell you. Sometimes in, in the pursuit of God's promises, we forget the presence of God. We undervalue the presence of God in our lives for the thing that God can give us. And if you're like me, you know what it's like to pursue the things that God can give you and forget to pursue the God that gives them. You're not hearing me. God, in the pursuit of his promises, doesn't want us to forget him. And here is David, and he's reminding them we have God's presence with us, and no one wants to sing. I'm, I'm shocked when we don't sing as a church. I'm shocked when we don't lift up our voices because we forget that the day that we wake up and open our eyes, the Bible says it is a gift. The Bible says God gave it to us. And so the fact that you drove here and are sitting in this place should give you reason enough to worship him. I'm alive. God gave me an extra day of breath. God gave me something that I did not deserve, which was life today. And this is the problem with pursuing God's promises is that sometimes we can get so focused on what we can get from him that he becomes not enough. So he says, I got to tell y'all to sing. And, and, and I'm going to sign Asaph and, and I'm going to sign you to sing. And, and listen, if, if, if you feel like us and churches and wherever you go worship is, are busy trying to get you to sing, it's probably because you've been pursuing and have put more importance on the promises of God and not his presence and not him alone and not what you can get from him. Yes, God has promises and yes, he has things that he wants to give us, but there is nothing greater than him. There is nothing you could get here on this earth that would ever, 
ever undermine the value of God himself and the fact that you are his sons and daughters and that you are redeemed and you are saved and you are forgiven and that he's pulled you out of hell itself to bring you into, the Bible says, light. So here it says, David's like, I'm going to have to help y'all. I'm going to assign y'all to sing. And then he tells them in verse 8, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. He's telling them to give him thanks because oftentimes we, we receive from God, but we don't give him thanks. And he's reminding them to live a life of gratitude and to sing to him. And sometimes in the pursuit of bigger, better things, we forget the things that God has already done for us. And so, and so David is reminding them of everything that God has done. Sing to him in verse 9. Sing praises to him. Speak of his wonders. Boast in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be joyful. Seek the Lord in all of his strength. Seek his face continually. Then he says, now listen, I know that this doesn't seem important, but let's remember. Remember his deeds which he has done, his marvels and his judgments. You, you descendants of Israel. He's saying, hey, you forgot where you came from. You are descendants from Israel. You should be praising and giving him glory and honor because of where you have come from. You were once slaves you were once in a desert place wandering. You were once in a place where you were in bondage for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now he has set us free. This is the time of David now. They are in, in a place where they have a, their own nation and their own kings. And he's saying, the reason you can't worship today and give him praise is because you forgot where he brought you from. You are descendants of Israel. You are his servant. You are sons of Jacob. You are chosen ones. And I just feel like today, if I could just remind you who you are, if I could just remind you of what God's done for you, if I could just remind you of how far he's brought you, and me in this place, I shouldn't even be on a mic because of everything that I've done in my life, but I am, the, like this says in Ephesians, I am a trophy of God's grace. I am a representation of a merciful, gracious God. And he says to them, remember that you are chosen. Remember that you are the sons of Jacob and that he is the Lord, our God. He, he lets you worship him even though you don't deserve it. His judgments are in all of the earth. Remember, he says, not just who you are and where you came from. Remember his covenant, verse 15. Remember his covenant, meaning he made you a promise. And if there's one thing that you can... You can hold on to whenever you're feeling like you don't, I don't really know that I can make it. I don't know that I really have anything left in me. I really don't know that I can praise and worship because of the things that I've, I have. I don't feel like I have enough in me. Remember his covenant, his promise to you. What does that mean? Jesus says that you and I, there is a new covenant for you and me. That was paid for by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And that covenant erases all of our sins the moment we believe in him. And then secures us for all eternity. And the promise is that we will never lose that no matter what we do in our lives. And so David is saying, remember the covenant forever. The word which he commanded over a thousand generations. Then he gets a little bit deeper and he says, the covenant which he made with Abram and his oath to Isaac. So he gets very specific and he starts talking to them. And he says this in verse 18. This is where I want to camp out. This is where I want to stay. This is where I want to finish. He says, saying to you, he's talking to Abram. 
God said this, verse 18, look at it. Saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. God told that to Abram in chapter 12 of Genesis. I am going to make you a great nation. I'm going to do something very significant in your life. I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing to all nations. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. This is the covenant that God made with Abram, that he would take someone like Abram, who was a fornicator, who was someone who made mistakes, who served other gods, and he still was merciful and gracious enough to use him and to bless him. The Bible says, he said, to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. Now, this is great, but that's not where I want to focus. I want to focus on verse 19. When did he do this, though? When, verse 19, when they, who? Abram and his people. When they were only a few in number. When did God speak this promise to Abram? When did God give this covenant to Abram? When did God produce this pathway to a promise for Abram? When they were few in number. When they were few. Now, I said that we had a lot of scripture, but that I only wanted to work on a few. This is what I mean. We've gone through a lot of scripture, but we really need to only focus on these two verses. He says, God spoke this to Abram. When there were but a few. I love it. I love it because it tells me that God is not looking for my success in life before he believes in me to fulfill the promises that he has for me. It does. That's good. Oh, I mean, that's. It means that God is willing to bless me and to be there for me and to give me a promise for a future even when I'm but a few. When they were only a few in number. I like what David says here because he reiterates it, very few. He's saying they weren't just a few, they were very few. The significance here is understanding that God has promises for you and me even when it doesn't look good. Even when things around you seem to not be successful there is still a promise for you. Even when things around you don't seem to have the most victory in it, God is still speaking promises over us when they were only a few. And I wonder why God did that. Why would God speak it to them when they were only a few? I believe that he did that because he has to prove that he's faithful and for him to do it in that way to show that he's faithful, he has to do it whenever they were a few. Because God wants to reveal himself to them, and the only way that he can really truly reveal himself to them is to do it when there are only a few. I think that God works that same way with us. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to show himself strong, and, and it's usually going to happen when it doesn't look too good. It's usually going to happen when it feels like you're not capable, you're not able Think about it. a few gives us a numerical amount, numbers. When the numbers don't look good, when the bank account is low, when I've had failure after failure, I've run through three different jobs in the last year. I've had car accidents. I've dealt with different things, and I've lost so much. It's in those moments that we 
can have confidence that there is still a promise over us. There is still something that God wants to do in and through us. The Bible says that numerically there were a few and yet God was willing to speak a promise over them. And no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what it is that you're struggling with, God himself has promises for you. No matter how less than enough you feel. Because at the end of the day, the words very few and being a few give us the, the visualization of not being enough. Not being enough. And so if you've ever said to yourself, I don't have enough. I don't know enough. I don't have enough. I want you to understand that the enemy will always seek to diminish what you've already been given. That's his strategy. That's what he does. And he will repeat it over and over again until you wind up forgetting that God is for you even when you don't have everything that you need. And so if ever you look at your life and only you see deficiency and only you, do, only you see what you don't have, that's the enemy convincing you of what you don't have. Because here we see a God who is willing to speak promises of greatness over us in our lives, even when we are just a few. And in these moments when you don't have enough, you feel insufficient, it's in those moments that our insufficient faith shows. So God is speaking to them, and it says, when there were only a few in number, very few, and they were strangers in it. I like what it says there because he's... he's I feel like I have to I feel like the spirit is telling me this. What is your not enough? Before I move on, what is that not enough that is clinging on to you and holding you back? Whatever your not enough is, you need to realize that your God is enough. What is your not enough? Is it the dollars that you have? That's my not enough. Is it the friends and family that you have? That's my not enough. Is it the love that you did not receive? That's mine. Not, I didn't receive enough love. I wasn't given enough. I wasn't helped enough. The things that you believe that you missed out on, God is saying, it does not matter. I still have a promise for you. And so then the Bible says that God, through David, says not only were they a few, but they were strangers in the land. They wandered from nation to nation, from kingdom to kingdom. I love that because what it says is that location does not matter when it comes to God's promises. They wandered from nation to nation and kingdom to kingdom. It encourages me to know that God's promise for me holds true even if I'm wandering. Even if I'm trying to figure things out. And maybe you're here today and you're wondering if you're wandering away from the faith, if you're dabbling into things that you shouldn't be dabbling in, has counseled out God's promise for you. Here it says it doesn't. Here it says that God's promise for you is true regardless of your wanderings, regardless of your failures, regardless of the time that you've spent away from him, his promise still stands. It says, and they wandered from kingdom to kingdom. Have you ever dealt with a few? A few. Ins insufficiency. Sometimes, sometimes I believe that we can, we can focus so much on what we don't have that we don't see what we do have. Sometimes, I believe, it's not that 
we don't have enough is that we have too much of other things and not enough of God. Did you hear that? Sometimes it's not that we don't have enough. It's that we have too much of other things and not enough of God. And then we have insufficient faith. What David is saying here is, look at us. We're in a kingdom. We got God's ark back. We're sitting in our own city. Look at all that God did through a few. Look at all God did through a few people who didn't give up. Look at all that God did through a few people who trusted the promise. Look at all that God has done through a few people that even though they had to wander, even though they had to move from place to place, they stayed faithful. And because of that, God's promise eventually landed us here. And I, I think what David is saying when he's saying this, David is saying, they didn't see it then, but we see it now. They were faithful. They didn't give up. They kept pushing. And now we see the results of all of this. And I'm here to tell you, if you would just keep going, if you would just keep pushing, if you would just not let your not enough keep you from taking steps forward you will get there one day and you'll look back and say look what God did in my life look how he brought me through this look what he's done for my family my generations upon generations look how he's taking care of my children and my grandchildren look what he's done because I didn't give up when things looked like it wasn't enough to push me through when the money didn't look like it was enough when my struggle didn't seem like it was enough I didn't give up so now I'm gonna praise him now I'm gonna give him all that I got because I am so thankful that he trusted us the few and because he trusted us we're standing here today he said they didn't see it then but we see it now and you don't see it now but you'll see it soon you'll see it soon so if you ever feel like you don't have enough this is this is your wake-up call do you have a God who is more than enough he is more than enough. So then it's so funny because now if you read verse 23, put up 23, look, look what it says. It says, sing to the Lord. Who? Oh, well, I thought it was just Asaph and his relatives. Now verse 23, David is like, forget y'all. Y'all don't want to sing. Like if y'all don't live to, all the earth is going to sing. Want to know Why? Because the promise that God gave Abram was that the world, the earth, would be blessed through him. He says, if you don't want to see it, the whole earth is going to see it. That God's promises endure and that God is good. He says, so sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good news, the good news of his salvation from day to day. Listen, I, I just need you to know that he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of it, and he's brought you through more things that you can imagine, and his promises are still good even though you don't feel enough. I, here's, the, here's the gospel. This is not just about what you have and what you don't have. This is about the reality that your sin separates you from God. This is about the reality that the things that you do in your life, your sin, separates you from him, and we are not enough. The Bible says if we stack up all of our righteousness, it's like filthy rags to him. So just like this scripture is telling us 
about not having enough, we also don't have enough when it comes to our worthiness. And even then, because of his grace, because of his goodness, he still gives us promises. He still gives us reasons to hope. So if you've ever felt like the things that you have done have kept you so far away from your God or are keeping you from the things that God would speak over your life because of his grace, because of Jesus, and because of the death on the cross, his enough is more than enough. And it covers our lack of being enough. Let's get the band up here. I want to end with this really quickly. When I started thinking about this, this scripture, I started thinking about how God is speaking to his people in a moment where they have everything. They have God's presence. They have the ark. But he's making them remember a time when they didn't have enough. And so maybe you've experienced good times and you know what it's like to experience bad times. You know what it's like to experience having things. And you know what it's like to experience not having what you need. God is speaking to them and he's saying, hey, listen, in the season that you walk into when it feels like God is stripping things away. In a season where you feel like instead of addition, there is subtraction in your life. In the season where you see people leaving. In the season where you see the things that are your certainties evaporating before your eyes. In the season when you're seeing the thing that you've depended on your life for is gone, you can still trust God. That's what he's, that's what he's telling them. Have you ever felt like you're going backwards? Have you ever felt like this is not enough. I, I, I used to have more. I have less. It reminds me of Gideon. It's a guy that we're going to talk about in this series. A guy in this series. In Judges chapter 7 verse 2, Gideon is up against an army of 300,000. And Gideon has an army of 32,000. I'm not really good at math, but that's not a good number. 300,000 versus 32,000. Yet the Bible says that when God looks at Gideon's army, this is what God tells him. He says, the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Wait a minute, that's confusing. I would think that when you're going to war, you want to have the advantage of having more soldiers and warriors. And yet God speaks to Gideon and he says, the people who are with you are too many. I'm not really good at math, but in the next verses, God tells him, I'm going to thin out your army and we're going to break it down to the only amount of people I think you need. That number resulted in 300. From 32,000 to 300, God thins out his army and then delivers the people through 300 men. If I'm Gideon and if I'm those 300, I feel like something's wrong. Why are we going from 32,000 to 300? I know I'm bad at math, but that feels backwards. It feels like I'm going backwards. And listen, if you, if you feel like you're going backwards, it doesn't feel good. 
doesn't feel good to feel like you took three steps forward and five steps back. It doesn't feel good to see success in your life and then to see failure happening all over again. And it's in those moments that you can feel like you're not enough. I don't, I don't have enough. And yet God showed them that they didn't need what they thought they needed to fight the battle that's in front of them. He was showing them that they didn't need what they thought they needed. And I think what that's speaking to us today is that what you and I have right now is enough. What we have right now is enough. And I believe that when God makes us a promise, he also provides for us to be able to experience that promise, meaning we have what we need. If we needed it, he wouldn't take it away. God knows that what we have is what we need, and that means for you and for me that what we have in our life today, where you are at, is enough. It's sufficient. I promise you that you don't need what you think you need to do what God has called you to do. He will never promise to do things in your life and not also provide what you need. Here's the principle. You don't need more. Sometimes we're here looking for more and more and more, and God's like, you have too much. You have too much. You're never going to see what I have for you. You're never going to see how strong I am. You're never going to see what I can do for you. You're never going to see what I can accomplish for you. If it's in your strength, look what that verse says. It says, they are too many. Otherwise, you will become boastful and say, my own power has saved me. God wants to be the source of your salvation. God wants to be the source for everything that you need. So if you feel like it's not enough, you're right in line for God to move miraculously. You're right in line for God to show you just how much of a provider he really is. Just how strong he really is. And you have to be okay with losing some things. You have to be okay with not being where you used to be and not being as good as where you've been. And you got to be okay with not being as successful as you thought you would be. And you got to be okay with it not looking as good as you would have thought it would have been. Because it's in those moments that God can do the biggest and best miracles. And I know that God wants to work them in your life, but you're not seeing it yet. You're not seeing it. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. It takes hardship for you to realize that this is what it takes to see it. There's, we're, we've talked about Abram, right? We've talked about Abram and we've talked about um, his nephew. Who was his nephew? Who's Lot? Lot. His nephew Lot was um, very important to Abram because God promised Abram that he would become a great nation, but Abram was... 80-something years old, and he couldn't have kids at that time, and he did not believe that God would give him children, so he believed that God's promise would be fulfilled through Lot. Lot was the key. Lot was the key to the future. Lot was the key to experiencing God's promise, and yet the Bible says, and it tells us in Genesis 13, that Lot and Abram, they separated. Look what this says in Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 15. I said, the Lord said to Abram, always check this out. Always 
find the moments in the Bible where God gives you a specific time. It says, then the Lord said to Abram, when? After. The Lord spoke to Abram after Lot had separated from him. Oh, don't miss it. Oh, don't miss that sometimes God will allow you to lose some things so that his voice would sound more clearly. He says right here, I got to speak to you, but you won't hear me because you're so focused on Lot. You're thinking that Lot is the answer to the future. You're so focused on Lot and everything that Lot could do for you, and you think that I want to bless you through Lot, but really, I have more in store for you than you could ever imagine. And I think there are some of you in here right now, you've come into this place, and you think, this is what God has for me. This is what God wants to do. He wants me to have this job, have 2.3 kids, have a dog. Maybe it'll be a doodle. Maybe it'll have a tail. Maybe it'll have a dock tail. I don't know. I'm going to drive an SUV, but not a van because I will never drive a van. Let me tell you, eventually, you're going to drive a van. It's going to happen. Listen, as long as it has sliding doors, it's cool. But maybe you've set up exactly what you think God's promises will look like. Just like Abram said, Lot is the way my promises are going to look. And God was silent for years because Abram was so dependent on Lot he lost his dependency on God and so then the Bible says that Lot left and in the moment when Lot leaves him God speaks God speaks and he said something so overwhelming he says to him now again another time now that he's gone now that you have nowhere else to go now that you've lost your hope now that the one that you put your hope in now that you've lost the thing that you thought you had your dependency on now that you feel like you have nowhere else to go now and it's in those moments wherever you feel like you've lost some things whenever you feel like you've lost the thing that you've depended on for so long that job that relationship that person, that paycheck, whatever it might be, you've lost it. It's not there anymore. It's in that moment, that now, that God will speak. He says, now, now, raise your eyes. Quit looking down. Quit being sad because of the things that you lost. Quit looking down and look at the promises that I have for you. Now that Lot's gone, I can reveal it fully to you. And take a look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward for all of the land which you see I will give to you and your descendants forever listen Abram was never going to see where God was taking him as long as Lot was in his life as long as Lot was in his life he would never fully see everything that God was going to do in his life and here's what I want to tell you 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 have a lot to deal with you have a lot to get rid of you see what I'm doing there you have a lot each of us, we have a lot, a lot that we're putting our faith in, a lot that we're putting our trust in, a lot that we're trusting in that is not God himself, and sometimes God will let that go away if it means that you will trust him more completely, more dependently, and then and then only then will he reveal exactly what he has for you. Until you deal with your lot, you won't see the fullness of what God has for you. And me, as a pastor and as a leader, it's time for us as a church to deal with our lot. What is that thing that you've been putting your trust in? What is that thing that you've been depending on for so long? Is it a man? Is it marriage? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a job? Is it a job title? God won't let you see the fullness of what he has for you until you're ready to let it go. 
Let it go. Listen, stand up with me, stand up with me, stand up with me.